Welcome to the Nurture Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. At DCA, we believe in small businesses and the families they support. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Ross Feldman has been in the information technology field for the last 28 years. He started Better Call IT in 2000. As technology has changed, so has the business, but the underlying principles of customer service, honesty, integrity, and getting it right the first time still hold true. These philosophies are the cornerstone of Better Call IT, where Ross helps his clients work with their technology and makes the technology work for the client. In addition to this, Ross lives by the aha moment his students have, aka his clients, especially when they learn something new or something they didn't quite understand and it finally clicks. Ross is always the perpetual student and loves to research and deep dive into the root cause of a problem to find a solution and feels that each day is not complete until he learns something. Welcome to the show, Ross. Thanks for having me. So you and I have known each other for quite some time. And recently I learned that you volunteer at a nonprofit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I love it. Um, I've gotten involved with a group called Aparo um, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live. Uh, it's a nonprofit that helps other nonprofits. Uh, they actually uh, do what I do for businesses, but for nonprofits. They provide technology projects and support, and they like to innovate, um, and they like to help uh, the nonprofits not spend a lot of money on their technology, but also utilize all the technology they currently pay for today. So I've had the opportunity to help a couple of nonprofits here with their uh, SharePoint migration and their IT project planning. And one of them recently uh, had a managed service provider that just wasn't doing the job. So we helped find them another one. So it's been a lot of fun so far. I I love it. And I was introduced to Aparo probably four or five years ago, maybe. Um, And I just love the concept of a nonprofit that focuses on helping other nonprofits with technology. You know, and I've worked with a bunch of nonprofits and I can see sometimes the disconnect um, it, because a lot of times there are volunteer boards and just things like that, um, that, you know, or they rely on vo- other volunteers to help with these things. And, and there's, uh, there's a definite need there. So that's very cool. Awesome. Um, tell me about, so we're going to get into a lot of different things, but what software new program has you excited right now? You know, honestly, it's been the 365 environment, Microsoft 365. They've been rolling out some of their features for free. And Microsoft 365 actually offers nonprofits 10 free full licenses, which is amazing because most nonprofits barely have 10 people. And that saves them a lot of money. There's a lot of great things in there. And they've recently launched that Microsoft Lists is available for free as well for personal use. And all these great ecosystems really make it easy when you live in the Microsoft realm, being able to connect and collaborate and organize in a really efficient way. So 
It is so Microsoft List is not something that I, I've heard of. Um, mm-hmm. Are they giving any of this free stuff to the businesses? I'm just curious. Exactly. Well, that's <laughs> the thing is that you know we we talk all the time about 365, right? So uh, 365 is something that most people know Outlook. They might know Word, but the thing is, there's actually hundreds and hundreds of applications that are inside that environment that they don't even know about. And List is one of them. It's based on something you've heard of called SharePoint. Uh, It's that SharePoint 2.0, that Excel 2.0, those lists of data that you've been working with for years, but it makes it much more uh, interactive and colorful and you can drag and drop a lot easier. So it basically takes SharePoint lists and brings them to the next level. Wow. Okay. So I learned something new today. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So you are in a role called a virtual CIO. Is that correct? VCIO? Yes, Tell me a little bit about what that role is. Um, I've heard of a fractional CIO, um, you know, and, and some other things, but not the VCIO. Exactly. Well, in the time of COVID, everything's gone virtual. But in reality, I've been virtual before that, where I've worked with businesses like yours used to be Charlotte based and you moved. So I'm still connected with you. I'm still working with you, even though you're not in Charlotte anymore. And same thing with the folks that aren't in the office anymore. They're all at home or they're all dispersed uh, geographically. So that's what the V is about, the the virtual. And the fractional is understood to be, well, you can't afford a CIO full time. There's many companies that don't have CIOs. Um, Medium-sized businesses are the first ones that would normally start to staff someone in that C-suite. But this is giving you that capability to have a CIO without having to have a full-time associate on staff to do it. Okay. And so what are some of the things that you would work on as a virtual CIO? I I love talking to business owners like you, where I find out how's your business doing? What's your plan for the business? How's your technology doing? How's your stack, which is all the different technologies, how they talk to each other, as well as your spend, right? We constantly talk about your bottom line and how we want to save money, but we also want to make sure when we're spending money that we're spending it correctly. Uh, There's um, unfortunately a nonprofit I just got um, linked up with that they've been buying Google Workspace the entire time they've had it. Google Workspace through the nonprofits is free for 2000 licenses. So they've been spending their hard earned donor money on Google Workspace because they needed it, but they didn't know about the nonprofit program. So as a technologist, I'm here to bring awareness to the business owner who obviously wouldn't spend, in this case, executive director for a nonprofit, uh, but they're the business owner, same concept where they just, they, they don't live in technology. It's just not their headspace. They've got to put their headspace in the business. That's why you hire a fractional CFO because their headspace is in the finances. You hire a fractional CMO for the marketing. It's it, Your business does that. They, they bring you in to help with the operations, the COOs type of things, and they bring you in for the marketing because they don't have the time or the headspace and their business needs it. So nonprofits aside, can you give me a scenario in a business where they've come to you with a very specific problem and how you fixed it? It could be something along the lines of automation, which kind of comes to mind first for me or or anything else. Tell, tell me about how you help transform businesses. 
Absolutely. I had a business that was doing packing and receiving. They were doing everything via voicemail. And what we did was we created a workflow for them where a web form was created, where the um, requester would be able to fill out the form, submit it. The um, specialist that has to organize everything within the warehouse would receive it and then be able to automate the process from there that once that step was completed, the requester would be notified that that was completed and the pack list would be created for the warehouse. So it really reduced the amount of paperwork that had to be done by humans. It was pretty much just down to one person and a few clicks. So basically order fulfillment, or I think I've heard this referred to as ERP from time to time, and I don't remember what those, it's enterprise something uh, system, but it's basically the systems by which businesses operate. And it's not always order fulfillment. That's really cool. Um, How did you come up with that? I'm, I'm a process and efficiency person. It's, it's a personal habit of mine. Um, That whole work smart, not hard is very similar to that. Um, It's one of those that I'll see a process and it is working, but there are kinks, there are delays, it's a timely process, and I can see opportunities that technology can come in and be able to make that process maybe more efficient, um, maybe more redundant. It might be something we call single-threaded in the business, which is like, okay, if Joe Smo doesn't show up to work on Monday, then no orders go out. So you want to make sure that you have that failover set up and that process defined so that you don't have that issue next time. Awesome. So you and I have had many conversations about password keepers. <laughs> what are your thoughts on them? This is I going public. <laughs> no, it's going public. I, I love them. I've, I've used them for decades. I've recommended a few different ones. I like certain features of some, some features of others. Some are super technical. You have to really be a techie to use it. Some are very simple. Um, honestly, having a password manager is 10 times better than not having a password manager. Um, even better than that is making sure you do you do that really annoying multi-factor, two-factor authentication. It's really important to protect your accounts. If your password is breached for whatever reason, that two-factor authentication allows you to have that second layer of protection. Of course, it's annoying. Most security is, but it's important. It's like your front door. Of course, you could leave it unlocked. You could lock it. I recommend locking it if you don't want visitors to come in when you don't want them in. So it's that one step in the right direction. I know that that was something that you had advised us to do. Um, And I'm quite sure you advised us prior to this incident, but the incident so that people know, one of my team members clicked on a phishing link. Okay. It was, Hey, your password's about to expire. Log into your account and change, you know, with your current password to make sure it stays current. Well, first of all, that's not a message that Microsoft's ever going to send you. Secondly, (laughs) first off, second, it was clearly a phishing attempt sent to a new page. They had her login information. And while it didn't impact the business, what did happen, it happened to be when she went on vacation, she was in a hurry, not paying a lot of attention. And then we had to email her and say, hey, I know you're on vacay, but you need to turn in your timesheet so we can pay you. So guess what that person did? they set up a new direct deposit. And we didn't think anything about it because they were replying from this person's email. Um, Long story short, um, they got her paycheck. As a long-term employee, I did pay her still, (laughs) okay? (laughs) But if that two-factor authentication had been there, 
that would have prevented that. Is that not correct? That's exactly right. And that's the thing is it's not about hacking firewalls or breaking in anymore or even guessing passwords. It's about phishing, which is a term we use, PH phishing, is about I'm going to ask you questions to get information. There's also something called spear phishing. So we're going to look up Denise. You're the the business owner. So I'm going to pretend to be Denise when I email your employee. I'm going to look up your business and say, here's your business address. I'm going to pretend to be you. That's called spear phishing. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get information, right? So if I'm going to try and hack into a major conglomerate, I will go to the marketing department. And when they reply to me, I'm going to get their signature of what it looks like. So I can make my email look like their email. And then there's something where I can be able to take a domain that's kind of close to your domain. So your company.com and I'll get company with two M's or two N's and I'll sit on that domain and I'll use that to send an email. So if you're, as you said, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to rush you. They're trying to say it's urgent. They're trying to get you when you're busy. And that's the thing is when you're just not paying attention, that's when they get you. So how do we best fight uh, proactively and then monitoring for this stuff? Because I know that was something you actually reached out to me. We had a company impersonating us on LinkedIn. Absolutely. It was in a, you know, and somebody fortunately was smart enough and say, hey, this seems kind of weird. And they actually emailed me through my website. It's like, yeah, that's totally not us. And that's the thing is that's something that, you know, you may have not seen before, but it's it's actually very easy. It's very popular on Facebook. People are constantly saying, I got hacked on Facebook. They weren't actually hacked. Your profile picture and name is public. And depending on your security settings, your friends list is public. So people can easily impersonate you. That's what we're saying, impersonation. So proactivity, always be vigilant, um, always second guess. Um, that two-factor authentication is actually a real-life thing, too. Like, Denise, you sent me this really weird email asking for my social security number, and I'm sitting to myself, wait, she doesn't normally ask me for my social security number. So before I email that back to you, I'm going to call you on the phone and say, hey, Denise, did you ask me for my social security number? And that's that (laughs) two-factor authentication. And then you're like, no, I didn't. Why would I? And then that's where we can, you know, and that's where sometimes these breaches come up. But yeah, that proactivity of training, awareness, um, definitely security, right? You want to make sure that you're, you've got everything set up correctly. Um, We definitely deal with password managers, as we said earlier, is important. Why is it important? It keeps all those passwords, but it can also randomize your passwords. Uh, LinkedIn had a breach. And what happened is people use the same email and the same password for their main email. So once the hackers had that information from LinkedIn, they just went over to Gmail and logged in as you and got access to everything else, right? So having different passwords for every website is good. Um, there's been a thing about you know changing your passwords every 90 days, and you and I have had that conversation. Microsoft actually said, you know what? We're not going to recommend it because the users will forget their passwords too much and it's going to become a nuisance, right? So why don't we go ahead and encourage two-factor authentication more than password expiration and password complexity that you want to make sure it's eight digits or more. Um, There's an idea of pass phrases. Instead of having the word password, you say, I like yellow painted dogs. And you take that into an anagram and then you can put that in instead so that your Password, super complicated, can't be guessed by a machine, but you know it because it was something weird that you thought of one day. But it's even better when it's a random password saved in your password generator so that you don't even, I, I trust me, I have thousands of passwords. I don't know them. They're all on my password manager. I don't keep 
all my passwords in my password manager, my banking's in my head, my email's in my head, but random websites around the internet are my password manager. And, you know, if there's ever a breach in my password manager, at least I know all the websites I need to update. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a risk weighing that you have to do of what personally you want to do to make your environment more secure, but also still usable. You mentioned, you know, hey, that kind of personal two-factor authentication, like, hey, Denise, did you really need my social security? So first of all, I want to say, if you know me, you know, I would never ask you to email that. Second, I cringe when my clients email me passwords. Mm -hmm. Even They email the password and the login all together and indicate it's for Squarespace or WordPress or whatever the case may be. Um, And I was like, you know, that's not secure. And we advise them that in advance. And I think that that's where a lot of people are are missing it. So I suspect that that's why you advise on the password keepers, correct? Absolutely. And that's what your team and my team have done for a while now. Like I've taught your team, hey, we're going to pass a password, an admin password for a website. I'm going to share it with you via my password manager, and then you're going to accept it. And it's all through a secure communication, not by email. Um, and I've seen lots of people, um, one, uh, one company sent me, um, uh, it was a, it was a external vendor, uh, and they were not a client of mine. They sent me the website and a separate email. They sent me the username and the third email <laughs> right they behind sent me it. the password. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, that's secure. And I'm like, if the box is breached, it doesn't matter. Right. So that would, none of that was secure. Um, there's ways in 365 to actually block, um, the, number of digits in a credit card number and the number of digits in a social security number. And there's many financial institutions that if you try to send an email that has a certain number of numbers in it, it'll get blocked because it thinks it's a social or credit card number and won't let you send it. Mm. So there's different ways to have the systems configured to protect you. Isn't there a way to encrypt emails in um, Office Outlook? Well, probably exactly. probably Gmail as well if you have a paid version, but... Y- yeah, uh, encrypting email is... A good way, but it's called encryption in transit. Um, so basically, if someone's grabbing your email while it's over the internet, it's encrypted. But if they're in the account, it doesn't matter. They'll unlock it all the same, right? So oh. I, I never trust the internet and I never trust email. It's what we use every day, but it was never, ever designed. When DARPA originally created both those technologies, it was never designed for security. It was designed for ease of use. So security was an afterthought with both of those technologies. And what are we seeing now with, you know, what new risks are we seeing now? Um, COVID has totally changed the landscape. We've got remote work from home people, hybrid work from home, office. What what are the biggest challenges right now security-wise? Security-wise is going to be what we said earlier was that social networking phishing attack, right? Where I'm going to spear fish and focus on you. You're going to click a link and you're either going to give me access by downloading something malicious. We call it ransomware uh, or malware, or you're going to give me some information that's going to allow me to get in further in your environment, right? So you're just a point in time to get in. Uh, so a lot of that is that education piece. I'm very much about teaching, you know, we've sat in your staff meetings quarterly where we talk about technology, but we also talk about security and it's, it's fascinating. A lot of business owners may assume their staff understands that and their staff doesn't. Um, I was doing a, a briefing for one of my clients and 
I would say nine out of the 10 new people, they were just kind of, all oh, this is all brand new information to me. And uh, that, that made me a little sad, but that's the thing is we're not teaching it in the schools. So where are we going to teach it? Uh, it's, you gotta, you gotta make people aware and, uh, you know, be wary of links, be wary of attachments. And I mean, you don't have to live in fear with a tinfoil hat under your desk, but you at least need to, you know, next time think before you click. Can I use that as your image for this podcast? I would love that. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. That totally gave me a visual. So, and I totally lost my train of thought with that. (laughs) Okay. So, no, in all seriousness now, what it boils down to, it's the business owner's responsibility to educate their team. Or or get education, right? I mean, the business owner knows a bit, but definitely hire a specialist. Um, we talked about LinkedIn a lot, um, even though they're owned by Microsoft and they had a breach and all these different things, they actually have a great arm they purchased called lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A, which is now learning. called LinkedIn, yep. LinkedIn Learning. Amazing courses, very affordable, great, great. If you talk to your CFO, it's a great business investment to go ahead and get a few LinkedIn learning licenses. If you're in a public library area or you're with the university, they sometimes offer it for free. Many corporations offer it for free. There's tons of classes. Uh, Type in cybersecurity basics. Watch a one-hour class. Make it part of your staff meeting. I was working with a company. I said, hey, next staff meeting, you have your safety minute. You have your officer minutes. Go ahead and add in a technical minute and share a quick tech tip. I mean, it's, as you said, COVID, we can't all sit in a classroom for a week, right? It's nobody's focused in education at that level. So little tidbits, little tips can sometimes really save you. Absolutely. So what is the one last thing that you would like to leave the the business owners with? Absolutely. Um, Realize that you may talk about finances and how they operate your business, but Keep in mind, technology is the same. If your technology is working, your business is probably not working. So always have that in that same thought. When you're thinking about your business finances, also think about your business technology. Perfect. Now, Ross, how can our listeners find you after the show? You know what? LinkedIn. But there's a catch. A lot of people add me all the time and try and sell me, sell me, sell me. Please don't. Put a personal note. Say you heard about me on the podcast. You learned a thing. You have a question. If you add that note, I will gladly LinkedIn with you. I love talking with you. If you're planning to sell things or you're just going to add me and tell me about your software business in India, I don't really want to have that conversation again. But I love meeting people and talking to them and learning all about them. All right. Thank you, Ross. I appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth, technology, and people strategies to help your business thrive. At DCA Virtual Business Support, our focus is making your business operations run smooth so you can focus on growth. Reach out to me at denise at dcavirtual.com if you'd like to learn more.